so good. I just love, I love the way that song builds. And I love the way you sing it. And congratulations on being pregnant again.
just it's amazing when you're facing a wall what the Spirit of God does in the midst of believers. That's why corporate worship is so beautiful to me. It's not, I don't come out of obligation. I come out of I can't wait to. And so I get around God's people and, and He just lifts you up with wings like eagles. You run and not go weary. You walk and not faint. The body of Christ is gorgeous. We're the bride, and he's the groom. Come on, somebody. Jesus don't date ugly. <laughs> he doesn't date ugly. That's why when Christians act ugly, it's just, I don't know. My wife's like, I don't like ugly, and I'm like, you call me ugly? You know. I'm just trying to tell you. And so you're going to face walls, and what do we do? Okay. Here's a wall, somebody. You got some papers, dude. <clears throat> you know what happens on next Thursday? D-Day. <laughs> D equals diploma, somebody. And you call it exam day, but I call it D-Day. C equals degree, D equals diploma. But you got exams coming up. You know you're all dreaded. You've been procrastinating that syllabus. Collected all that dust on there, and all of a sudden you looked at it, and you didn't even know the professor's phone number, but you're blowing that thing up. <laughs> I've been so busy all semester, Netflix was buffering for eight days. I couldn't. Curse you, see as you walk by. So my point is, in all this, is that you're going to face walls. Think about it. God tells us to have joy. I, I love the first time. God tells you to have joy, and all of a sudden, all around you, there's no joy. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, God says, hey, I'm going to give you my peace, but you don't feel any. I mean, God speaks, but our circumstances scream opposite. God says great things, but our circumstances say no things. God says, I'm going to be with you. And in circumstances, scream, where are you? There are walls we face all around us. And what is the one thing, what is the one thing that hinders believers from trusting the promises of God? What is the one thing that hinders that? And the one thing that I like what Stephen said, and I agree with it, the one thing that hinders me from trusting the promises of God is the only thing that changes is not God. What changes is my perspective. My perspective says, where are you, God? You tell me to have joy, and I go home to a house of chaos. You tell me to have, I work for the Lord, and yet I can't get past the people that I work with or around for. But God, you tell me that you're going to take care of my finances, but it just doesn't look like it. God, you tell me that you have plans, but I don't know what to do next. So where do we go? What changes my, per my perspective changes? He said, what happens when your perspective gets blocked? Gets blocked. There's always a problem between the promise and possession. I shared with him Thursday 
tonight, I'm going to hit a little bit on this, but I'm going to go much deeper like we talked about on Thursday night and our family time before the whole But I got to go a little deeper. What happened, listen, there's, there's always, there's always this block, if you will. There's always a problem between a promise and possession. There's always a problem. It's like when Zach's brother came to me and said, can I marry Lord? There's always a problem between the promise and possessing her.
Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry seven ram's horn trumpets in front of the ark. But on the seventh day, march around the city seven times while the priests blow the trumpets. When there is a prolonged blast of the horn and you hear its sound, have all the people give a mighty shout. Then the city wall will collapse and the people will advance, each man straight ahead. So Joshua, son of Nun, summoned the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and have seven priests carry the seven trumpets in front of the Ark of the Lord. He said to the people, move forward, march around the city, and have the armed troops go ahead of the Ark of the Lord. After Joshua had spoken to the people, seven priests carried seven trumpets, before the Lord moved forward and blew the trumpets, the ark of the Lord's covenant followed them. While the trumpets were blowing, the armed troops went in front of the priests who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard went behind the ark. But Joshua had commanded the people, do not shout or let your voice be heard, don't let one word come out of your mouth until the time I say shout. Then you are to shout. So the ark of the Lord was carried around the city, circling it once. They returned to the camp and spent the night there. Verse 15. Early on the seventh day, they started at dawn and marched around the city seven times in the same way. That was the only day they marched around the city seven times. After the seventh time, the priest blew the trumpets, and Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. But the city and everything in it are set apart to the Lord for destruction. Only Rahab the prostitute and everyone with her in the house will live, because she hid the men we sent. But keep yourselves from the things set apart or you will be set apart for destruction if you take any of those things you will be set apart around the camp excuse me if you take any of those things you will set apart the camp of Israel for destruction and bring disaster on verse 20 so the people shouted and the trumpet sounded and when they heard the blast of the trumpet the people gave a great shout and the walls Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you because we're going to face many walls. In this world, you will have trouble. But you said, be of good cheer. You have overcome them. And so, Lord, since you call us to be overcomers, then we need to change our perspective. And so, Lord, we don't always see what you see. We don't know what you know. We don't think like you think. We don't love like you love. And we sure don't respond like you would respond. But in the name of Jesus, I pray today that you would remove the scales off our eyes and that we would see Jesus Christ. Lord, I ask you, I don't want to come with wise and persuasive words. I don't want to come and try to push, but I just want to be led. Lord, I ask for forgiveness of my sins. And I ask, Lord, that you would speak so clear that people would know 
presence of Jesus was here. That your Holy Spirit reigns supreme. Lord, I pray that you would come with a demonstration of the Spirit and power so that men can trust women will trust you. They will not trust the deliverer of the message, but they will trust the message. Lord, I pray that you would purify my mind and heart and glorify you.
to Joshua, son of Nun, who had served who saints? Sometimes a relationship has to die so that we will see nobody but Jesus. Y'all ain't with me today. Y'all not with me. The Lord will show me, John, sometimes the people that you follow that love Jesus, he moves them out of your life so you have nothing left but to follow Jesus. That there's nobody in between. Listen, it's time that we get off milk and get into solid food. Come on, Hebrews chapter 5. It's time, sometimes, it's not going to be your parents or your grandmother or some type of minister or some type of disciple. It's time for us to stand up instead of being mentored. It's time for us to mentor. It's time for us, because right now what happens, the death of Moses now means this, that there is nothing in between God and the servant Joshua. Until Joshua had learned that God was with him, he wasn't going to move forward. God wants to move with you and I. Now don't get me wrong. God showed you he was with me about people praying. I asked, I talked to the people and Leaders that summon and are supporting and giving you wisdom. But let me tell you, at the end of the day, there is no human being that can replace Jesus. And God is going to let relationships. And some of you, it might have been that the person in your life who wasn't walking right with Christ walked right out the door. Well, I'm going to tell you something. Maybe God allowed them to walk out the door so you can see nobody but Jesus. And sometimes God lets us get in a place where we don't even know what's going on around us so that all we can do is see nothing but Jesus. Because the reason why God wants us to see Him is to know that if He is with us, and listen, greater is He that is in us, somebody, than He is in the world. But Joshua would face the wall because he knew God was with him. Joshua, the Lord was showing true comfort because he knew God was with Moses, but that would not be enough for what God had Joshua to do. I can't have comfort that my wife says, John, you can do a job. I'm with you. She can't give me comfort like Jesus can because my wife can't knock the walls down that only God can knock, can knock down. I have to hear from the Lord, not from anybody else. Now, God will externally confirm to everybody else, but sometimes God moves people out so he can move in. And I want you to know something. You and I will never step up to Jesus until other people step out of the way. It's time. It's time for you. Yeah, I'm not ready. There's too much sin in my life. How do you think Joshua felt? The Bible clearly says that he served. He served. Who did he serve? He served Moses. Now, he was serving the Lord, but what happened was he trusted. He trusted God because of what he saw in Moses and now said, it's time for you to trust me because of what you see in me. See, you, 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 if you're always getting mentored, man, no, I'm not speaking that. I need to be discipled. We need to be encouraged and all that, but I'm going to tell you something. Listen, being discipled by others does not take the place of our time with Jesus. We have to be discipled by Jesus. We are no good unless you see the power of God in my life. Unless the power of God is in my life, it doesn't matter what the power of God is in my life. It's got to be in me. She can't preach. God didn't call her to preach. God called me to preach. So her stand up here with me more. You can do it, John. You can do it. Come on now, John. You can do it. John, I'm telling you, you got it. You got it. You got it. As much as she can encourage me, she can't do it for me. And God is calling everyone in this room to do something. 
that only your time with God. Listen, you got to know he is there. Look at what he says. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now all you people prepare to cross over the Jordan to the land I am giving the Israelites. And then verse 3, he sets up pretty powerful. See, when God's presence shows up, then the word of God takes root. And all you need is a word from God. Listen, you don't even know your word from God. You just need a nod from God, Tommy King said. But when I get a word from God, here's my life verse. God gave me, anybody, you know, this God gave me this verse literally 50, was 15 years ago. Psalm 71, 18. Even when I'm old and gray, do not forsake me, O God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your might to all who are to come. You know why I love Summit? Because we're going to raise up the next generation. It ain't going to be where a bunch of people get together and say, I've done my time now, it's your time to step up. No, I'm going to serve till God until somebody puts my cold, dead fingers in a casket. Because God, as long as he's giving me breath, I owe him. Because I love him. And I'm telling you, when he moves in, when he moves in, God's word steps up. God gave him a word. He looked what he says. He says, I have given you. This is the God speaking in past tense when everything that Joshua sees is future. I have given you. Some of you walk around and sing like, God, what you going to give me? God said, I have given you. It's not good for man to be alone. So why don't you trust the Lord instead of trusting the eyes? I am not listening to me. I'm going over here. You see, that's what Joshua had to do. He had to step up. I have given you. Look at, oh, it gets better. It's I can, we can bust the Hebrew out of this. Look at Joshua chapter 6. Look at Joshua chapter 6. Look at verse 1. Now, uh, uh, Jericho was strongly fortified because of the Israelites. No one leaving or entering. Verse 2, the Lord said to Joshua, Look, I have what, saints? Past tense. They're outside the walls of Jericho, and God said, It's already done. It's already done. I've already given it to you. You see, when you have a word from God, then there is not a devil in hell that can stop you from doing the will of God. Come on, somebody. When you have a word, when I have a word, it doesn't matter. I don't have to worry about what other people say. What other people say that can happen because God already said it will happen. That's why Jesus said, it is, come on. And if it's finished in him, then it's already done. It's already done. So when I get a word from God, I move in it because it's going to happen. It doesn't matter what I see. It only matters what God has said. Oh, that was really good. When's the last time that that's happened in our lives? That it didn't matter what we see, only what God has said. We wouldn't walk around loathing because we're single. We would walk around praising God that God's preparing somebody right now. And then if I met them right now in my singleness, I'd jack the whole thing up because they ain't ready yet. But when God sends somebody, woo, do you smell what the rock is cooking? There ain't going to be no long engagement. There ain't going to be no nothing. I'm telling you, it ain't going to be quiet. Because when God says it's time, it's time. When God speaks, it's already done. We pray this prayer, especially y'all in football, four games. You say the Lord's Prayer, which I like to say is a silence prayer. Thy will be on as it is in. Jesus said, like this, Peter, whatever you bound on earth is bound in heaven, whatever you loose on earth. 
release the load. And so now you get to see what happens. This is what happens when God moves in. There's a, go back to Joshua, chapter 1. Look at this, this is good. So when God has spoken it, just walk in it. And I'm going to tell you why God delays, because sometimes God delays because it's a test of our faith. The reason why, God's word does not tarry long. But though it might seem like it tarries, it will come. Listen, I want to remind you something. Jesus is coming back whether the world likes it or not. And our job is to be ready. Check this out. I want you to count how many times in this, in this version that I read, this will be up here. I want you to count Joshua chapter 1. I want you to count how many times he uses the word you to Joshua. Verse 2. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now what? And all the people, this one time, prepare to cross over the Jordan to the land I'm going to give the Israelites. Verse 3. I have given what? Every good place with the sole of what? Foot treads, just as I promised Moses. Verse 4. Territory will be from the wilderness and Lebanon to the great Euphrates River and the land of the Hittites to the west of the Mediterranean Sea. No one will be able to stand against as long as and I will be with just as I was with Moses. I will not leave or forsake Nine times. Nine times in five verses. I'm with you. 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 Nine times. God is continuing to remind him he is with us. And if God is with us, he is for us. And we've got to quit destroying ourselves when God wants to build us up. Now you already know this. But in the beginning, of Joshua. You don't have to turn here. Beginning of Joshua, he says, verse 1, after the death of Moses, the Lord's servant. The Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, who had served Moses, or Moses' servant. So here, because Moses was faithful to him in some ways, he goes, he's called the Lord's servant. And then he looks at Joshua and he says, oh, you're Moses' servant. But if you go over to Joshua chapter 24, he at the end of the book of Joshua, Joshua is now called the Lord's servant. He is promoted to the Lord's servant because he's faithful. And Joshua at the end, right before the end of his life, he is in this covenant renewal. And he says, choose this day whom you will serve. From me and my house, we will serve who? See, here's his opportunity. Today, we have a chance to choose, choose Jesus. Every day, Joshua was choosing Jesus. If you want to see a wall come down, you've got to choose the one who can knock it down. Oh man, I got so much stuff. I got so much stuff. Strategy number two. Strategy number one is Jesus' presence destroys the wall. And how do we do it? Choose Jesus. Choose this day whom you will serve. And he got promoted to the servant of the Lord. He did not receive the title of servant of Moses. He was elevated to servant of the Lord. I want Jesus to say, well done, good and faithful. <coughs> Biblical strategy number two. Praising Jesus changes our perspective. I'll always defer to when we were talking about this, and just kind of, my eyes were open, my Holy Spirit did this. My eyes were open. 
about what he has to do. He has to go around the, the, the wall one time, and then, uh, and then on the seventh end of that, seventh day, seven times, and then all of a sudden he says, uh, they're going to blow the trumpets, uh, and you're going to shout basically to the Lord, and the wall's going to come down. Now, some people try to take this out of context in the Christian world and say, you know what? God's going to give us this property. We're going to march it around seven times, and we're going to shout, and all of a sudden, miraculously, God's going to say, hey, we're going to sell you the land for dirt cheap. Like, I don't take this stuff out of context, but what I am trying to say is there's a big wall, and this is what God says, like verse 8, it's a new strategy. It's not the way, they're like, I think it's in five ways, in five ways during that time, the militaries would knock down walls, but God says, I'm not going to use man's way, I'm going to use my way. Are y'all with me? And so the way God knocks down walls is that God does something that only he can do, and this is what he does. Instead of them physically attacking the wall, God says, if you want to see the walls come down, praise me. The way we knock down walls in the flesh is to praise him in the spirit. Praising Jesus knocks down the wall. So when I'm down here last week, and I'm there praying over me, and I'm praising Jesus in the midst of all that, the walls come down because as God gets bigger, man gets smaller. If you want to do something, you want a wall broken in your work or in your job, or mentally you've got something going on, or there's an addiction over here, or whatever it might be, if you want God to break something, then enter into his praise. God inhabits the praises of his people. I love when he said, worship lifts us past the walls. Robbie, will you play with me? I want to show you all something. Worship is the game changer. Being with people is a dying and a plain Christian praise worship. Robbie, it changes the atmosphere when people would play. In Psalms, precious in the eyes of the Lord and the death of the saints, there's a holy moment when God's people die. And I can prove that in Acts chapter 7 because when Stephen was dying, Jesus stood up in heaven. When we praise, everything changes. If you say, I can't just get away from the sin, I want you to know what gets you away from the sin is the power of praise in Jesus. Put on the guard of praise for the spirit of despair, somebody in Isaiah. The spirit of heaviness. The spirit of brokenness, praise changes everything. Because when God moves in, everything that's not of him must die. Praise, moving into his presence, changes everything. This is so rich and so good. So John Selhammer was one of our professors in the seminary. And he wrote a book that they use here some classes. But God did something miraculous. As I was really looking at this, we were talking about this backstage when we were on. And I want you to see something. I want you to see something that's miraculous. When people enter into the praise of the Lord, God does something miraculous. In Exodus, when the first time before they gave the Ten Commandments, God said to the people, come around the mountain, don't touch the mountain, and you're going to see my glory. And if you looked at Mount Sinai in the pictures, you see the top of the mountain was seared, as if you took some type of meat and seared it in a pan. It was seared, it was burnt 
to a crisp on the top of the mountain. And so what they thought was, oh, well, there's no God. It must be volcanic. So they dug down underneath, and just a couple inches, almost a foot below the top of the Siri, it was just straight rock. It wasn't volcanic. In other words, what seared the top of the mountain is not from what came on the inside out, but what seared the mountain is what came from the outside in. God came down the mountain. He said, stay there. Touch it and die. Moses, you the leaders to hold me. And they saw his glory. And the first time that God showed his glory was to show who he is to the people and say, Listen, if you don't know me, at least know that the fear of the Lord will push away the sin. But the people chose to sin. They had a golden calf. Everything else, Moses comes back down and throws the tablets down and they break to see the metaphor that they've broken the law. So God does something miraculous. God says, come back up the next time with me. Come back up the next time with me. Come on up. And Moses is like, I, I, I want to go. But I'm not going to go anywhere, Lord, unless you go with me. God's like, oh, I'm going to go with you. But guess what happened? So Moses just goes up. And so the first time they saw God's glory, it was this fear of judgment. But the next time they saw God's glory, that Moses saw God's glory, there was something intimate and life-changing. The first time God revealed his glory, so we were talking about the purpose was to show that he is God and that you should fear him. The second time he showed his glory, listen to this. Along with the change in the display of God's glory, there was a change in the purpose of revealing God's glory. Listen to this. In the first revelation of God's glory at Sinai, Moses explained to the people that his purpose had been to test you so that the fear of God would be with you to keep you from sinning. Exodus 20, 20. After the incident of the golden calf, however, the revelation of God's glory had quite a different purpose. When Moses asked to see God's glory, the Lord answered, here we go, check this out, Exodus 33. I will cause, Exodus 33, 19, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion, and on whom I will have compassion. Surprisingly, when Moses learned about God's glory after the great sin, of the golden cloud was not further, check this out, fear of God, but rather that God was compassionate and gracious. Go to Exodus chapter 34. We're going to land this plane. Biblical strategy number one. You got a wall, choose to stay and you'll serve. The presence of Jesus knocks down a wall. God's telling you he's with you. And by the way, if you're saved, you have the Holy Spirit within you. I wish I had time this morning to just even try touch the tip of the iceberg what it means to be sealed with the Holy Spirit. You've got the Holy Spirit. Greater is He that is in us than He that is on the wall. Number two, whenever you have a wall, enter into praise. You'll rise up on wings like you. What's amazing with God, God can knock the wall down or take you over the wall, but either way, the wall is not an obstacle. 
Nothing that can hinder me from the love of God. 